Hi everyone, Quinn Henderson here, another season of Edtrex Rewind coming your way. We're a couple episodes in, but I've been really looking forward to sharing this episode with you. I had the opportunity to catch up with Mark Wagner, CEO of EdTech Team, back in Chicago, um, just back in June um, at the ISTE conference. Uh, but he just recently released his book titled More Now, A Message from the Future for the Educators of Today. So a really great book, a really great read, and I just wanted to get his thoughts on it um, just as the book came out. So I wanted to share this podcast with you. So stay tuned and enjoy. When you get there to think, do I belong here? What am I doing here? I'm totally out of my future. But you quickly learn that when you start to have conversations with people, that you've got something in common. I wanted to make sure there's still a future, so all the trails I like the idea I have this idea that the kids these days need to do X, you know, or this uh, one kid in my class can't do Z, and I'm going to make so a whole much course to make sure it's easy. Uh, whether you're taking not Welcome to EdTrex Rewind. Mark, well, we're here at the, the Chicago Energizer event for Google Certified Innovators. Yep. It's been amazing. But I've been looking forward to you. So one of the things that inspires me is seeing people write or take on the challenge of writing a book. And you yeah. have a book that just came out titled... More Now. More Now. Message from the Future for message. the Educators of Today. That's right. Yeah. Right? So message for today. So tell me about it. So the... Uh... The title probably needs a little explanation, but um, more now is a reference to, you've probably seen, I end a lot of my emails with more soon, and it's uh, it's always my, me sort of acknowledging the guilt that uh, I haven't included all the information, so there'll be more coming, uh, whereas uh, it's fun to tell the story when Jenny's here, but when Jenny first got emails from me that said more soon, she thought, I'm going to get back to her more quickly, right? Um, but or get back to me more quickly, and so then she was guilty. Uh, but when uh, when we finally when we hired Jenny last year, her two-word email to me was "more now," uh, and so we've had a good chuckle about it over the years. And when we realized, there, oh, there was so there was so much uh, philosophy behind "more now," right? Like uh, in education, it's it's easy to get stuck in the past and the way things have always been done. Uh, and in ed tech, it's easy to get stuck in the future and the way things should be or could be, right? Uh, but this book is more about what's what's happening right now, and a lot of schools right now uh, really are living in the future compared to the rest of us. And being able to capture some of those stories and share those stories is a big part of, of what the book is about. So what I love about that is that basically you have kind of this this idea that was basically two words, and it, it developed kind of this meaning and made you kind of reflect back. Yeah, and and it's um, it's certain some of the ideas in the book go much further back for me. Um, but really over the last five or six years when we've been doing uh, you know, the conference-style summits in schools and we've been able to host these in, in amazing schools all over the world, and the schools don't look like each other but at all, but uh, we found that with the schools that, that amazed us had a lot of, uh, they excelled in certain areas, but they excelled in different ways, right? So over time, we actually developed a, uh, a framework for that, that that I think is really simple and captures the idea where most schools will spend most of their time and effort uh, on on the stuff like what 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 equipment are we going to buy? Is it going to be iPads or Chromebooks? And 
so on, right? And uh, worst case, you get somebody buying uh, overhead projectors, and the box ends up propping up the overhead. You know the uh, right. Yeah, you know they what I'm talking about? Buy the mount. Or yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, so right. The, the the and and the, and we have this problem in California is. Uh, when we had our digital high school program and all this 20 years ago, people spent all the money on the stuff and then it didn't get used, right? Right. So uh, rather than sinking all your time and energy into the infrastructure, we look at six elements of school change. And the schools that impress us really excel in different ways in all these elements. So we look at courageous leadership and uh, empowered teachers, giving them the time and space and, uh, to learn and play, right? Uh, uh, focus on student agency. That, uh, so the students being the ones who are making, creating, doing, collaborating, sharing, publishing, doing the heavy lifting, as they say, right? Uh, inspiring spaces that reflect the culture you want in the school. So you don't want kids sitting in rows, because even if they've all got Chromebooks, if they're sitting in rows listening to a lecture, you're gonna get what you always got. So we, we wanna see um, flexible spaces, and again, they can look wildly different, but if, if the stakeholders in the school and the community uh, all have a role in, in, in building that design, they can support the culture of their school. And, and sometimes that's done very deliberately. Um, this example is not even in the book off the top of my head, but uh, there's a school in uh, Yellowknife in the Northwest Territories in Canada that was a mining town, and they decided as they were redesigning their school, they wanted to be sure that there, was a, there were elements, physical elements in the school that reflected the mining town culture. So where they built their gathering stairs, so sort of large stairs where people can sit and gather, right? Oh, yeah. uh, they, they built it into the side of a, of a, a rocky, um, I don't know, sort of natural feature, right? So there was a hill there where they're building the school and they built the gathering stairs right into the side of the rock. Oh, very cool. So you could sit on the rock or you can sit on the sort of more formal stairs, right? And it's literally indoors inside the school is this, this shale, uh, you know, rock face that would be like Amazing. what they're mining, yeah. So something like that, it's uh, it's gathering stairs, which is a great flexible space, but it's also reflecting the culture of the school. Um, and not surprisingly, they had really flexible spaces in the classrooms too, right? So a bit of a tangent, but you know, if we're looking at courageous leadership, empowered teachers, student agency, inspiring spaces, the sort of two bottom pieces of the framework, uh, if you see the visual, it's uh, it's uh, six hexagons. In a right, sort yeah, of I've a, seen yeah. that the two bottom ones are robust infrastructure, which is the stuff, but it's also the policies. Right. So uh, we talk about policy infrastructure. Uh, our friend Stephanie Shipton in Hawaii, who works with the Department of Ed there, she talks about, um, you know, the infrastructure isn't just pipes bringing the internet into the school, it's how do you, uh, sometimes policy infrastructure is the impediment, right? So right. How, do you, how do you remove that, and how do you build policies that remove other impediments for uh, creativity and innovation in the classroom, right? And then the last piece, um, and we, we learned a lot looking at these schools about how they, um, their community is often a driving factor. So engaged community is, is the sixth element uh, of the honeycomb, right? Uh, we call it the honeycomb of school change. Because it's sweet. Exactly. It's ah, sweet, I like that. Yes, right? nobody said that before. <laughs> so the, the sixth element then is engaged community where on one hand, if you have if you have parents who are expecting school to look like it looked when they were kids, and they come in and uh, they're expecting quiet kids in rows, but they're seeing project-based learning on Chromebooks and whatever else, right? Uh, then they, they they might be disappointed. They might not understand what's happening. It's foreign to them. Yeah. Right. It's but not if, how they knew it. But if you have, you know, if you launch your one-to-one -one program with a community gala and you showcase what's possible, or you run. Uh, community workshops for parents and others and to see what kids are doing with their iPads or whatever. The, now the parents and the community become a driving force where they're like, we want to see this in our classrooms. And it's, 
you know, really gets down to the point of like, why my kids' teacher's not doing this, why not? And now it's a driving force for change. Um, so that engaging the community is, is sort of the sixth element. And so a lot of the schools that we've been in do these things in very, very different ways. Courageous leadership can look really different, but we realized in all the schools that, that we thought um, were exemplary and that inspired us and empowered us to go change other schools, they all had leaders who were taking risks and stepping out and breaking that cycle of, oh, somebody uh, you know, uh, higher up is telling me how to do this or is expecting us to do this, you know, you break that cycle and, and uh, that's where the magic happens. So. Well, and that, that's, I mean, just you summarizing that right there, I can actually think of some examples right now Yeah, right. where, where that community part isn't happening mm. or really that infrastructure support part yeah. isn't happening and I'm, I'm nervous for them to do that, but to hear you say that it kind of takes that leader to kind of step out almost of yeah. their comfort zone yeah. to say, no, let's make sure these elements are in place because these are all the obstacles that we'll face. Yeah, the leader, particularly at a, at a site-based, a school-based leader, uh, or even at a district level, certainly a superintendent in the U.S., uh, having somebody that's got that leverage because of their formal authority is great, but, but I believe it can happen anywhere, right? Because right. the cycle you see, let's take standardized testing, right? Nobody I ever talked to thinks it's a good idea. You talk to the parents and they're like, oh, I don't, my, don't want my kids doing that, but the teachers, blah, blah, blah. And the teachers are like, oh, well, the principal makes us do it this way every year. And the principal's like, well, the district says, you know, I'm only middle management. And the district's like, well, the school board. And the school board will say, well, the state board of education and the board of education says the voters. And like, well, now you're back to the parents who don't want yeah, it anyway. This endless yeah. loop of passing the buck. Yeah, exactly it. And so I, I feel uh, a classroom teacher can break that. And, and to uh, classroom teachers in most cases have a lot of autonomy to do that in their classroom, right? And, and certainly a principal can break it and anybody at the district level typically has some, some leeway to do that. But even if you're a parent or a community member, you can be you know, educating, raising awareness, educating others and, and advocating for change, right? So if you had some advice, say for that teacher, because when I encounter teachers, I think some of them feel like, that's what needs to be done. Yeah. But getting them to get have the courage to kind of step up and take that little bit of yeah. risk. How do they? How would they take that? Well, now step? now we're back to the title. Right. Oh yeah. It's more now. More now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You, ju you just you do it. Yeah. Uh, and actually, it's there's an anecdote I think is in the book. <laughs> uh, I I certainly wrote about. it. I don't know if it made the final cut. But um, I, I remember being at ISTE, and we're at ISTE now. Uh, being at ISTE in 2006 in San Diego and uh, seeing an Australian guy named Tom March uh, on a panel uh, with others. And they were talking about Web 2.0 and blogs and wikis and podcasts. Oh, yeah. And um, somebody, an American asked, uh, you know, what, what's your message for teachers who feel like they can't do this at their school district? And without missing a beat, uh, Tom said, be subversive. Like two words that have stuck with me for 12 years, right? Wow, yeah. uh, and, and he went on to explain, you know, do it anyway and then show everybody all the cool stuff you're doing, uh, and then ask for permission, right? Well, and that's that's really funny yeah. that, I mean, you say that. I'm just reflecting on several even experiences in the last couple of weeks where where that was kind of the message that we were, were settling on, is mm -hmm. that get those teachers to do it, to step out of their comfort zone, because then it starts to happen almost virally or more Yes, absolutely, yeah. Because they've, they've got that experience, those stories to tell, that say, hey, here's what I did, and here's how, how it changed or made a difference. And so I think that's an incredible message. What would you say inspires, just inspires you or drives you? Oh boy, that's a great question. Um, ah, that's a great question. Uh, it, being here and having finished today, we just finished. 
Um, we did we did an element at the end. Uh, well, most of the afternoon was a uh, dedicated to a Spark camp where we had the participants here who are all in the Google Certified Innovator community coming together largely for the first time since they were inducted in the academy, right? Uh, but it's a, it's a robust and, and prolific community. Having them all here in one room, we had a, you know uh, 120 plus people. Having some of them uh, share their passions, uh, whether they were geeky or fun or uh, uh, challenging, you know, we had everything from uh, you know creating your own Chrome extensions and data visualizations to wine drinking and cupcake decorating and karate and, and fire, fire eating. eating. Yes, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that idea of creating an environment where you are empowering people in the community to share their expertise uh, to inspire others. Like, I, I think that's, I, I think to a lot of people here, like, that was fun. We, we got to share and we got to make cupcakes, but I think that's a great model that could be used at any school where you, whenever you bring the staff together and you've got 65 teachers in the room, like, you really should be acknowledging all the expertise that has just walked into the room. Plus, all of those people have outside interests also, you know? I, I'll never forget a social studies teacher I used to work with, and when I discovered that he uh, bought and sold classic watches on eBay, it like opened up this whole other world, right, to him that I had no idea. So I think in, th there's an element of bringing your whole self to work when you're uh, teaching karate to others or, or uh, decorating cupcakes or whatever, um, that I think is important. But also that that idea that you're you're acknowledging what everybody's bringing into the room and engaging with them as human beings and encouraging them to share, that's a great model for any school community. And so for for me right now, having come off that afternoon, that's that's inspiring to me, and it's something that I I, I love that our team gets to help replicate that at some schools, um, and seeing a lot of times the people that come here, uh, or even come to a Google office and then turn around and find cool ways to use what they saw at their own schools is uh, is inspiring to me anyway. I, I love the, the Spark the Spark presentations as well because I, I think what it does is it it kind of puts you in your own element when you get a chance to present it. Yeah. And so when you see people in their natural element and their passion, you start to make that connection. Yeah. And I think that sometimes when, when we're in education, we're in classrooms, we're in the schools, all our all that's on our mind is education. We yeah. get a lot of opportunity to build real relationships. Yeah. So it makes me start to think, like, what, what could you do with students? Well, yes, that, right? yes. Right, so, so this kind of the next thing. I, I think, it, absolutely, and I think this is where you bring it home. Like, you, part of, from our perspective, like empowering teachers is is giving them example, you know, opportunities to, to have that kind of experience, and and um, it's just really important in, in one of the education systems I love in New Zealand is that they, they, um, it's very bottom up, so I give a lot of power to the classroom teacher to create what's going on in there. So that, that's a huge part of that empowered teacher layer, but for, to bring it down to the student agency layer, the, the way I always like to talk about it is the most important thing a teacher can ask a kid, and they're more likely to do this, by the way, once they've had this experience themselves, right. but the most important thing a teacher can ask a kid is, what do you want to learn? And they can say, you've got me and all the resources of the school at your disposal, what do you want to learn? And having that, kind of experience then allows kids to bring their passions and so forth into the classroom. And then that's that's the gateway to all kinds of other learning. There's there's a bunch more examples in the book, but probably the best one in this case is, um, we I used to do senior project with my kids when I was an English teacher. 
Uh, our whole school did it, it was fantastic. They spent a whole year doing, uh, they would have a quarter on research and a quarter on uh, interning in some way in the field and then they would, um, uh, they would create something and, and then their final quarter was essentially putting together their presentation to the community, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, it had a lot of the pieces, yeah, right? Yeah. So, uh, but I'll, you know, I'll never forget the kid that came up at the beginning of the year and was like, uh, you know, hey, hey Wagner, I want to do Impalas. You know, he like, loved the classic car. Right. And, uh, and I'm sympathetic to that. I think I was actually driving a classic Beetle at the time. But, uh, you know, I think a lot of teachers would be like, oh, really, like Impalas? We're going to, yeah. But, uh, but it was, uh, you know, in my mind, it's like, okay, here we go. We're, we're doing Impalas. And, the, and he ended up, uh, you know, interning at a body shop and, and learning a glimpse anyway of small business, right? And uh, he ended up learning CAD programs so he could like design his own like body modifications and stuff. Uh, and it was this huge gateway to learning for a kid that eh, wasn't really that engaged in what was normally going on in a senior English classroom, right? So that... This dude. This dude. This dude. Yeah. <laughs> He's magic. Um, oh, here's your wall. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you're right. Bringing it down to the student level and engaging them and asking them what they want to learn and, and supporting them in that also does a better job of preparing them for their future. Uh, you know, that's, that's certainly a big part of the book if we're calling it a message from the future and there's a funny anecdote behind that. But the, uh, the idea is we're no, we're no longer in the business of helping kids memorize a few things they might need someday. Uh, we can look to the Google mission statement actually, and, which is to uh, organize the world's information, make it universally accessible and useful. As educators, you might say our job now is to help kids access and use information in a way that's meaningful to them. Right. Uh, and asking them what they want to learn and helping them move forward with that is going to prepare them for what comes next better than any social studies test, right? Yeah, for yeah. the longest time, teachers have been the resource, the source. The source. Not the resource. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. That information. And you talk about like the kids and their passion projects or asking them what they want to study. I mean, I had an experience recently where it was my students did a project um, in this class and they graduated in May. And just last week, one emailed me and said, I've got new ideas. I'm still working on this. I can't wait to get into it a little bit more, but they graduated and he's going to be going to college. And he's still connected to it. But what I learned from the process more than anything that you alluded to as far as being more now was, was really by me asking them the projects that they wanted to do, it, it showed them that I was interested in them. Yeah, and that's a big they part. they reciprocated. And so yeah. when I had something to say or something to share, they were more tuned in. They were on the edge of their seat more going, okay, I'm listening because you've listened to me. Yeah. And, and to me, that was like the most valuable thing that I didn't expect to learn by helping facilitate those projects. Yeah, it's funny, you dislodged a, a memory in my head. I, I uh, When I was already a tech coordinator at my school, I, uh, they did summer school at my campus, and they needed me to be the tech coordinator for summer school. But I had to apply for it, like everybody else. Oh yeah. And um, so I did the interview, and they told me afterward I didn't interview well. But part of the reason was they asked me, "What's your discipline policy?" Oh. And I'm like, and and I'm several years into teaching at this point. It's still relatively green, but several years into teaching, and I'm like, yeah, I, I don't have one. Like I just build relationships with the kids and. That's how I manage my classroom. <laughs> and apparently that didn't go over very well. But, but I think that's a really important part of it is you build those bridges and they do want to listen to what you have to say and they, you treat them like a human being. You treat them like adults, at least in high school. I taught high school. Right, exactly. They, uh, although I'll say with my own kids who are eight and 10 now, but I would have said this when they were two and three, 
I treated them a whole lot like adults, and that, that panned out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly the philosophy yeah. my wife and I take with our kids, is that, is that we'll, we'll treat them and talk to them like they're part of the adults, include them in the yeah, conversation. Yeah. And we feel like that does make a big, a big difference. And I try to do that, like, I see the difference interacting with my students, and, and the difference that makes with them. The relationships are so important. So this is this is incredible. We could probably go yeah, I and, think go, so. <laughs> and go and go and go, but but this is probably a great point. So book is out. Yep. Where where do we find it? How do we get it? Good. So it's uh, it's more now. A message from the future for the educators of today. Probably the best thing is just to buy it on Amazon.com. It's a fantastic way to get it. It's get it brought on your to Kindle, you wherever you are in the world. Yeah. Start on reading. the Kindle, I think it's like 9.99 on the Kindle, so that's a good way to go. And you can read right now. Uh, otherwise, uh, it's on uh, it's on Prime, so you can get it shipped to you for free if you're on that. And it's, if it's you still really, like the yeah. tangible hard yeah. copy, yeah. fill up the book. Yeah, and you can get it uh, also at edtechteam.press. Uh, but probably the best thing about going there is you can see all our other books. So, right. lo as we saw today with the books on the tables, a lot of the innovators in this community have written. That, yeah. that to me is inspiring. It's yeah. like I've got, got kind of these ideas for a book, but to see and meet the people that have created them. Uh, many of them right here giving us fives. Yeah. Really yeah. makes me want to take the next step. Yeah. And so that's what's really exciting about this event. So, awesome. Hey, well, thanks, thanks Mark, yeah. for, for joining me, and I can't wait to, to see what you do next. Awesome. Now, if only I can work the magic, you can work. Hey, we'll work on it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Mark. All right, thanks. Thanks for joining us again on another episode of the EdTrex Rewind podcast. Special thanks to our guest today, Mark Wagner. And if you've never experienced an EdTech team event, I'd make sure you get out to one. You'll definitely pick up some new skills and be inspired. And also pick up uh, Mark's book. You can find that on Amazon. You can order the hard copy or download the Kindle edition. You can also find Mark at Mark Wagner on Twitter. And you can also find me on Twitter at Q Henderson. So until next time, we'll see you.